There we go. Okay. So, oh, I'm way too. I have to reset. Okay, you say something. Hey there, Becca. What's going on? Is it raining outside or is it sunny? <laughs> okay. I have testing. One, two, three. Testing. 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 Okay. I think we're gonna. Want to hear? Can we hear it? Hello, we are going to record some more and hear about our voices. Let's talk about us, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things. Okay, go ahead. Although I'm a doctor by profession, Hang I'm on, not... Stop. There. Go ahead. Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your health care provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any healthcare related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Suck it up, Buttercup. Our topic on. Hi, welcome to the Perimena Podcast. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. The topic of today's episode is brain fog, otherwise known as can't remember shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this rings so true to me. Let me tell you a little story. So we've been living in our new house a little over a year when we were invited to a neighborhood, neighborhood barbecue. Because of COVID, people had not had much of a chance to get together. It was going to be fun, right? Meeting our new neighbors. This really nice lady and I were chatting up and she said, where do you live? I opened my mouth to tell her our address and I locked up. I I could not remember our address. I'm panicking in my brain Mm -hmm. for a second. And then I thought, well, I'll tell her the cross streets where we live since we live on a corner. (laughs) Again, nothing. Oh my God. Okay. So... What did I do? So I ended up saying, uh, on the corner over there, kind of pointing in the general direction. <laughs> she looks at me like I'm absolutely nuts. And I'm pretty sure she was right. This was not the first time I'd lost the ability to remember something fundamental. I mean, I'm going to lie, man. I was scared shitless. Early onset Alzheimer, dementia. Did I take a blow to the head that I don't right. remember? Um, you know, none of the above. Mm. I should have pegged it at the time that it was related to that tricksy little perimenopausal bitch. So as with all things in this series, I would love to know, oh my God, this is terrifying. What is going on and what can I do about it? Mm, right. I know this is a real uh, common symptom of menopause. And, full disclosure, this is not something I was taught in medical school. What? Nor do many physicians even recognize this as a symptom of menopause, believe it or not. But it seems really common. So, over the 28 years of my being a doctor, primarily to women, mind you, I found that mental fogginess was one of the more common symptoms of the transition through menopause and that it was affecting women when they're in the most mentally challenging times of their lives. They're trying to 
balance a very uh, stressful career and mm. a list of things to do with their families. They really rely on good mental functioning. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so unfair. Right. Oh, so yeah. unfair. <laughs> yeah. There are so many women who would complain about, I can't multitask. I have to write lists about everything because my short-term memory is just not really reliable. What am I going to do? There must be something wrong. Doctor, you have to figure it out. And so right? what was the first thing you turned to? Well... Uh, first thing I did was I I tried to rely on some of my men, my medical school training, which there was very little, and I relied on uh, ruling out other kind of ambiguous forms of, of memory loss, like maybe early onset dementia, maybe depression, maybe a B12 deficiency. And then I, you know, I noticed that some of these women were also going through menopause, maybe having some hot flashes, maybe trouble sleeping. So I thought maybe it's related the brain fog to lack of sleep and fatigue. So because that's so common in menopause. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. if I'm only sleeping a handful of nights and out, uh, an hours a night, mm -hmm. uh, of course I'm going to have a diminished mental capacity. But I don't think that means forgetting my damn address. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, of course, being a primary care doctor, we talk, think about consideration of mood disorders, depression, maybe this trouble with uh, memory and some fatigue was a symptom of, of depression. And I would suggest that maybe we start an antidepressant because that might help symptoms. This option would sometimes help, but not as often as I would have liked uh, in women in this stage of their life. And then, in fact, I found that when I started estrogen replacement therapy in these women, that brain fog symptoms seemed to improve, even though I didn't know exactly why. <laughs> so when I was researching for my book, Breezing Through Menopause, I investigated research that was scientific that might be addressing hormone effects on the brain directly, just to see if I could get a little more information and give people some solid evidence. And I was surprised to find that there is quite a bit of research indicating that there is a direct correlation between menopause and brain uh, inflammation. Well, shazam. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to dive a little deeper into kind of our graduate course on uh, brain health and menopause? You know I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, so for example, there is a study with evidence that takes actual samples from mice brain tissues and look for changes uh, in those mice that were made to go through menopause or ovaries were taken out. So that included uh, looking under the microscope and they saw inflammatory changes around the neurons and blood vessels of those mice who were forced into menopause. And then other studies showed that years after the transition, our brain inflammation does stabilize. This is on some kind of functional MRI studies. Um, however, there was another study done on postmenopausal rats that did show giving estrogen to those rats did stabilize the inflammation. So there was some hope maybe giving hormones might be helpful. So we're and saying we're saying that at least women's brain could be as close to a mice or a rat brain as possible. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, and we can't, you know, obviously it's not ethical to do brain biopsies on women going through menopause. <laughs> so we have to rely on some of this other data. Uh, but to me, it kind of made, gave me an explanation of why I saw improvement in some of those women, you know, after they were going through menopause. Uh, that they're in, they had some improvement in their mental, mental functioning. 
So, so I, I think that it's probably important to kind of do a general overview on brain health because there isn't really a one size fits all fix. There's not a pill that you can take for those changes uh, related to menopause, perhaps estrogen, but maybe you're not a candidate or you don't want to go that way. Um, so, and, and there are some things, of course, with lifestyle are important to do to keep your brain healthy. So, all right, um, well, let, tell, me, tell me about brain health. Yes. Needless to say, I don't spend any time thinking about uh, brain health. Right. It's always been with me and it always mostly works until I don't know where I yeah. live anymore. Or I forget my <laughs> pin at the grocery store, <laughs> which, your by the way, also happens. Right. <laughs> right. It, we tend to be uh, people who don't look at our brain activity or how it's functioning till it gets really bad. Right. That's true. Not until we're really forgetting things like our address uh, persistently <laughs> or we're really losing our keys all the time or we forget the names of our children. We really wait till it's a real, real problem before we start to think that maybe we need to be doing some more investigation like blood tests or see the physician. So um, we know that looking at MRIs, which is one of the ways to image the brain, that in general, young brains look a certain way. They're very healthy, they fill up the whole skull. And then when we look at those same MRIs 40 to 50 years later and, and all people across all sexes, we'll see some degenerative changes. And that seems to be in nearly everybody. We can kind of judge the age of a brain by how it looks. So not only um, is your body getting old, your brain gets old Your with brain it. gets old too. That's so, no surprise, right? But I think we are surprised. Right. <laughs> right. It's just part of normal aging process to have some of that happen. So you will accelerate that degeneration if you have other risk factors or if you have other lifestyle habits that might uh, accelerate that that trouble with neuron development and that includes smoking uh, if you're not treating your high blood pressure like you should uh, if you're not treating your high cholesterol or watching your diet or if you have diabetes you're more likely to have some of those neuron changes also those individuals who are positive for a genetic marker called APEO4 they might have APEO4 right they might have a higher incidence of alzheimers or is it APOE4 APOE4 <laughs> yes <laughs> or one of those genetic markers called APOE4 may have a higher incidence of Alzheimer's and want to consider doing whatever they can for their brain health starting really early. So if you have that, you really want to be extra diligent, watching cholesterol levels, watching your blood pressure, screening for diabetes, and doing some of these other things that we're going to talk about when we talk about the treatment or options for keeping your brain as healthy as, as, as possible. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's important is if you're a woman who has a family history of stroke, you may lessen your risk of having a stroke if you start taking a baby aspirin, which is an 81 milligram of aspirin a day, starting at age 50. So that's actually one of the recommendations of the USPTF, the United States Preventative Task Force. There's a lot of evidence that that can be helpful. And of course, we just want to keep that brain. Is it still? Yeah, I think so, isn't it? So I thought that they just stopped saying take baby aspirin oh for mm, for well let's uh oh maybe they uh, we'll maybe look I it up know. we'll look it up okay okay so think about your brain another way to look at this is think about your brain
So there's a lot of things to consider, a lot of factors in brain health. Some of them you have been developing throughout your lifetime, some of them starting at menopause, some of them made worse by certain medical conditions. So we're gonna use a metaphor to help you understand this a little bit better. Think about your brain like a flag on a flagpole. When you're young, the flag is at the top of the pole. As you age, you slip naturally, little by little. Throw in a little menopause and you can slide even further. This is the brain fog part. This is the brain fog. Brain fog. Can't can't remember shit. I'm sliding down the flagpole. Down the flagpole. Add some additional factors like diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and maybe you're flying at half staff. Half staff. Happily, you won't stay at this stage. After the first year of menopause, a lot of times women will start to raise back up to a degree. And what you do to help your brain health might help it raise even higher. So think about it that way. Nice. Okay. So thank you for that because that's really helpful for me to think about, you know, my brain as a flag. (laughs) (laughs) But I found that even though I felt like I'd slipped all the way to the ground, that I did in fact bounce back. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know where I am on the pole at this point, but I am definitely not dragging where I thought I was. Mm I guarantee you there was probably something that I could have done before I got into crazy town that might have helped alleviate or given me better brain health. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Tell me what you know about that. Right, right. So during the phase of perimenopause, when you're not sleeping well, you know, this time before you have your last period, uh, that might be contributing to mental fog. Perhaps you're not exercising as much because you're busy, you're stressed, there's not enough time. Maybe you're eating a higher carb diet, much like your kids are eating, macaroni and cheese. No way. Uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> so you're starting this process of decline in the brain. And of course you could halt it a little bit by exercise and watching your diet. So this will accelerate after that last period for that period of time uh, where your brain is adjusting to hormonal change. So you really feel that sinking. So if you started with your flag up a little higher, the sinking won't go down quite as far. So that's helpful. Um, And it's a good strategy during all of these these phases, premenopause, perimenopause, to keep protecting your sleep because that helps your concentration and mental functioning. Also manage your diet and exercise until your energy levels and start to improve and your brain function will start to normalize. There may be a protective effect for estrogen replacement therapy on the brain, but this will have to be weighed with your individual risk for taking estrogen if you have a tendency, family tendency towards clots and that sort of thing, which we'll discuss more in our treatment strategy tre- strategies. So remember, there are several actions and lifestyle changes that you can specifically make for a healthy brain as you age. And then again, as you go through menopause, we know that diets high in carbohydrates may have an inflammatory effect on the brain. Well, wouldn't that be that everybody then, because we all are like carb whores, right. don't all of us have inflamed brains then? Right. It is true. Kids, a lot of us have adults. inflamed brains. That's absolutely <laughs> right. The carbohydrates, even though when we're very young, we, our brains rely on sugar uh, for uh, as a source of fuel. As we get older, we rely on more complex carbohydrates like fatty acids. So there's changes that are happening in metabolism as we get older in the brain specifically. 
So for you to limit your carbohydrates, especially as you get older and part important. Um, so because of that, also that d need for your brain for good fats, you want to make sure that you're keeping those good fats in your diet. So making sure your diet's high in omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. So, and these salmon. fats, yeah, salmon. yep, salmon, mm -hmm. so good for the brain. It also includes olive oil, chia seeds, really high in omega-3, flax seeds, high in omega-3, avocado oil, that cold water fish, so halibut and salmon. And then also... Can I just take a pill? Can I just take a... Yes, um, omega absolutely. It's a great way to get the... It's a great way to get those fatty acids. So omega-3 would be flaxseed. Omega-6 is more of the fish oil. You can get combinations 369 if you want to keep it, keep it simple. Um, so those are going to be helpful for your brain. Also, remember that vitamin B12, which is a vitamin that gets harder and harder for your body to absorb as you get older. I did not even remember that. Maybe that was part of my can't remember shit, right. but I don't think I ever knew it, so I'm not yeah. going <laughs> to. So vitamin B12 is so important for nerve health. People get trouble with the uh, neuropathy or tingling in their hands and feet when they have a deficiency. They also have trouble with balance and some trouble with dementia or loss of memory. Um, those are symptoms of low vitamin B12. It gets higher. It's get harder to absorb in your intestines as you get older. It's best if you supplement it. You can do it as a pill, uh, 1,000 micrograms a day, and it's very helpful for neuron health, so be sure to keep taking that. It's also important to correct for a vitamin D deficiency because that's protective against Alzheimer's. So 2,000 to 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 daily are really helpful. And as it, when I was practicing, I would oftentimes check vitamin D3 levels because they are important for brain health. They're also important for bones. So in women who are over 50, we would check that pretty regularly. And it was surprising the number of women who are low in vitamin D. I've heard it's like crazy, a yeah. crazy amount of right. women have struggled with vitamin D. Probably 75%. Yeah. It's, it's because they told us we couldn't go outside anymore. Well, maybe it was also because we stopped. We started thinking that we shouldn't eat any fat. Do you remember that oh, back in the day? I Don't heard about fat. it. I did not follow that particular <laughs> topic. <laughs> kind of fat was the bad thing for a long time, and maybe we weren't fat. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, so maybe we hadn't been eating enough uh, of milk. Fortunately, I know you like Yay! milk, and milk is fortified with vitamin D, so you're probably, you are probably getting plenty. I'd be fine. Yes. Yes. Okay. Rem remember also exercise is really important for your brain health. Walking, yoga, cycling. Uh, it also regular consistent sleep. So you might even want to go back to episode three, the one that we have on sleep, and re-listen to the, our recommendations for how to keep that going well in your life. life. Um, there is also evidence uh, that intermittent fasting might be helpful for brain health and function and keeping it growing normally. Interesting. So if you don't eat for 12 to 24 hours, just drink water, have herbal teas, you will probably develop this increase in a hormone called brain-derived growth factor, BDGF, and that's beneficial to neurogenesis and nerve health. So intermittent fasting. Interesting. Okay, that is interesting. Okay, so I'm hearing this pattern here from our from the first several episodes. Honest to God, I mean, we've all heard it since the beginning. Eat right, exercise, right. breathe, oh, no. keep your stress down. <laughs> it, right. it doesn't. I mean, they're not cure alls. Obviously, your brain's right. your brain's your brain. But yeah. if you want to do something about it to try to get in front of it or to try to make 
this brain fog that you're going to get potentially less impactful in your life. Maybe you do some of these other things. Right. And I, and I think it's also just helpful for women to know that when they're experiencing it, that's going to pass. So <sighs> it's not going to be there forever. You know, many, many women who come into the office, they think, oh, no, am I having many strokes? Am I starting Alzheimer's? Yes. What's going on? I can't function like this for the rest of my life. I'm going to have to find a new job. Just know that there's a short period of time would, in your life. I would pass. be on calls. Mm-hmm. And when this was happening to me, I'd be on calls. And I'm, I facilitate. I facilitate training and, and, <laughs> and, and, and meetings and things for people. And I'd be yammering along. And all of a sudden, the word that I was looking for would slip. Now, this happens to everybody. <laughs> but it would lock me up. And so since I was on Zoom, I kind of freeze my face as if the Zoom had frozen. <laughs> well, I, tried, well, I tried to oh, find no. the word. <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, y'all there? I, I think I froze for a minute. <laughs> yeah, my brain fucking froze for a minute. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And then just one last thing I want to mention. Sometimes that lack of concentration fatigue might be a symptom of something else. It's a common symptom in depression, so in mood-related issues. So your provider might want to uh, kind of do a questionnaire or a look at, at if you might have other symptoms related to depression or mood disorder. Okay. Well, and I don't think that we can underestimate or forget the good old-fashioned ways to manage this period of forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. Take notes. Write mm-hmm. things down. Use apps that help you remember or, or remind you of things. Depend on calendars. Depend on reminders. Even if it was something that you could always do without it before, man, it's temporary. It's fine to use some mental crutches during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I for one have tattooed my arm on my uh, my. I, for one, have tattooed my address on my arm, so the next time somebody asks me where I live, I just look down and tell them. That's my that's my cheat. Or they can just put you in the mailbox and mail you off with a stamp on your forehead, right? Send poor Becca home. <laughs> right. Yeah. So true. And I think it's really important to have a sense of humor during this time, just like you were talking with freezing at Zoom, and just know that it's temporary. You know, let your family in on the joke. You, uh, you know, you'll be back to normal in six to 12 months and functioning better than them. Well, and let me ask you this. This is not, my family has witnessed this from, well, my husband has witnessed this from me before. Is this like, this is just like for those of you who have had kids, this was like the pregnancy stupids, right? Mm-hmm. Remember right. those? And I mean, for those of you who had that fabulous experience, you would not be able to remember why you walked into a room. Mm-hmm. You would drive someplace and what was I getting here? And the store was a nightmare if you didn't have a list. Right. And it, this this whole brain fog thing in, in perimenopause reminds me a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you're right. And there are other kind of periods of time where women have trouble with mental functioning that are hormone related like PMS, so premenstrual syndrome, when people are, when women might be really moody and irritable, that's another, that's brain function and emotion. So that's more evidence that really those hormone changes really affect your brain so much. So just good to know and good to be patient with yourself. Keep a sense of humor. (laughs) Keep a sense of humor. (laughs) If you're not crying over losing your mind, keep a sense of humor. (laughs) So in... uh, If I'm going to summarize what I heard. So stunningly, brain fog, forgetfulness, or CRS, can't remember shit, is not a symptom that your physician was taught in med school as associated with perimenopause. I'm just going to wait a second and let that one sink in. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so for those of you unlucky enough to experience this frustrating and potentially terrifying extra, know that it is not a forever condition. Like so many things associated with your hormones going wacko, your body figures out how to deal when things calm down. There are things you can do to help support your poor battered brain during this, uh, during this time that range from getting good sleep, listen to episode three, estrogen replacement might help, vitamin D could help, managing stress, more basic approaches like taking notes, learning, leaning on apps and other tools that do some of the heavy lifting for mm-hmm. you and your sweet, sweet brain that's struggling right now. All good suggestions. Use all the tools in your tool chest. Yeah, why wouldn't we, right? Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's what we've got on uh, brain fog and brain health today. So in keeping, in a preview into our next episode, in keeping with our most commonly complained about paramount... <laughs> in keeping with our most commonly complained about paramount... I've lost my ability to speak. Oh, my God, the brain fog is fucking back. I can't speak. Right. <laughs> In keeping with our most commonly complained about perimenopausal topics, next time we're going to talk about anxiety and how hormone changes can really hijack your sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So breathlessly join us as we continue the Perimena podcast. If you would like to visit our website where reference materials and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. For more episodes in the podcast store or Google, visit us at the perimenopodcast.com. See, you can't say it either. Perimenopodcast. Actually, I don't know why I say that. So, say find more. Oh, find more episodes in the podcast store or Google us at theperimenopodcast.com.